Amen. Thank you, Jody, for your ministry and our praise team. Good morning, everybody. Good to be with you. Um, let's, let's remember a couple of our members that are still recovering, had surgery. Let's remember Betty and Paula. Huh? And also, how about remember Margie? That was, Margie needs a, our prayers as well, doesn't she? Let's, let's bow in prayer together. Father God, Lord, we come to you right now as the great physician, Lord. And we just pray that you, um, that you be with Betty and with Paula, Lord, as they're recovering, Lord, from their surgery. Just to minister to their bodies, Lord. Um, let your Holy Spirit, Father, just, um, just bring ministry to their bones and muscles and, and give them strength and healing, Father. Also for Margie, we pray, this, pray the same, Lord. Please minister to her, uh, her body as well, Lord. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. 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 Well, this morning, we are continuing in the Gospel of John. So if you want to get ready, we'll be in John chapter 12. Um, but before we get there, I want to tell you a little bit of story about a man by the name of William Borden. Yes, Borden of the Borden family, uh, the Borden Food Company. Now, this is a story that happened back in 1904. William, who was an heir to this uh, family estate, the Borden Dairy Farms, I mean, he graduated high school in, in Chicago. He was already a millionaire, okay, because he, he, he had that part of the estate. He was part of the estate. Now, William was given a present from, by his parents for his graduation, and that present was to travel around the world. So he did. Borden went to uh, the Middle East. He went to Asia. He went to Europe. And he saw a lot of things, but a lot of, a lot of good things, but he also saw a lot of bad things. He saw a lot of hurting people. And he was a Christian. He was a Christian, and he had a burden on his heart for all these people that were hurting. So he wrote back to his mother and father on this trip, and he said, I'm going to prepare my life to be a missionary. He was going to prepare. He prepared. He said, I'm going to prepare my life to go on the mission field. So the moment he did that, he also wrote in the back of his Bible two words. And his two words he wrote were no reserves. You know, no reserves. He's, he's not going to... Uh, uh, He's going to give it all. You know, he's not going to hold back. He's not going to hold anything back. So he got back to the States, and he went, started going to U Yale University. And at Yale, he uh, became a leader in the Christian community. He kept a little journal, personal journal, and, and some of the words that he wrote in his journal kind of tell us what was in his heart. He said this. He said in his journal... He wrote the words, he says, say no to self and yes to Jesus every time. He was committed Christian. And he started a little prayer group at Yale University, that, a little group that had a big impact. Because this little prayer group started another prayer group, started another prayer group. And the first semester of his uh, uh, schooling there, there were 150 freshmen that were involved in prayer, prayer, prayer groups and Bible studies. And the, by the time he graduated, there were a 1,000. Out of a student body of 1,300, there were a 1,000 that were in Bible study and in prayer groups. And, and when he graduated, he wrote on the back of his Bible another two words. He said, no retreat. No retreat. And he graduated. He got a lot of great job offers, high-paying job offers. But instead, he went to seminary. 
and he went to seminary to be a missionary. And after he finished seminary, he went to Egypt to learn the Arabic language because he wanted to reach the Muslims. In Egypt, he contracted spinal meningitis. He contracted spinal meningitis, and within a month, 25-year-old William Borden was dead. But before he died, he wrote two more words under what he had already wrote in his Bible, no reserves, no retreat, and the last two words he wrote were, no regret, no regret. We don't know why his life was taken at such a young age, but in the few short years on earth, God used him in great ways. William Borden, he was sold out to Jesus, and his life showed it. He had a passion for the Lord. He lived his Christian life in the way that Christ calls us to live it, with passion, with passion. He uh, was on a mission to introduce people to Jesus, not only the people that were local and around him, but the people in foreign lands. We're going to read in a minute in the Bible, if you're getting ready, in John chapter 12, some people that were foreigners, the Greeks that were foreigners to Jerusalem, yet they came there seeking to be introduced to Jesus. And in response, Jesus uh, responds to these Greeks and to the crowd that was around him, and he reveals to them what is the requirement to be his follower. He reveals to him, to them, this was the, his, the hour for him had come. He reveals to them what his death, what he was about to do, his death and resurrection would accomplish for all who would believe. So if you're ready, we're, let's go ahead and read John chapter 12, verses 20 to 36. And if you're able and willing, if you could stand with me and we'll read together. John 12, verses 20 to 36. And it says this. Now, there were some Greeks among those who went up to worship at the festival. They went to Philip, who was from Bethesda in Galilee, with a request. Sir, they said, we would like to see Jesus. Philip went to tell Andrew. Andrew and Philip went to tell Jesus. And Jesus replied, The hour has come for the Son of Man to be glorified. Very truly I tell you, unless a kernel of wheat falls to the ground and dies, it remains only a single seed. But if it dies, it produces many seeds. Anyone who loves their life will lose it, while anyone who hates their life in this world will keep it for eternal life. Whoever serves me must follow me, and where I am, my servant will be also. My Father will honor the one who serves me. Now my soul is troubled, and what shall I say? Father, save me from this hour? No. It was for this reason I came. I came to this hour. Father, glorify your name. Then a voice came from heaven. 
I have glorified it and will glorify it again. The crowd that was there heard it, and they, they, but they thought it thundered. Others said they, that an angel had spoken to him. Jesus said, this voice was for your benefit, not mine. Now is the time for judgment on this world. Now the prince of this world will be driven out. And I, when I am lifted up from the earth, will draw all people to myself. He said this to show the kind of death he was going to die. The crowd spoke up. We have heard from the law that the Messiah will remain forever. So how can you say the Son of Man must be lifted up? Who is this Son of Man? Then Jesus told them, you are going to have the light just a little while longer. Walk while you have the light before the darkness overtakes you. Whoever walks in the dark does not know where he's going. Believe in the light while you have the light so that you may become children of light. When he had finished speaking, Jesus left and hid himself from them. Amen. You may be seated. Amen. Jesus teaching the Greeks, the Greeks who were seeking him, the crowds that surrounded him, what it means to serve him. Jesus doesn't mean Jesus' followers who just want to follow him after Christ. Why should we do it? Why should we follow hard after Christ? Well, the scripture we just read is going to give us two reasons, all right? Are you ready? The first reason is this. Follow hard after Christ to bring glory to God. You say, Larry, what do you mean? What does it mean to bring glory to God? Well, to bring glory to God, to bring glory to God is to reveal His character in you. To bring glory to God is that... to. to to, to, to point, your life should be lived in a way that it points to God. Whatever goodness you've been given, whatever gifts you've been given, whatever grace you've been given, you use it all for God's glory. 1 Corinthians 10, 10 31. Whether you eat or drink or whatever you do, do all to the glory of God. Follow hard after Christ to bring glory to God. How do we do that? Jesus explains. Verse 23. Verse 23, Jesus says it this way. Dying to self. Dying to self. Jesus said this in verse 23. The hour has come for the Son of Man to be glorified. Jesus is talking about his own death. And we're talking here about dying to self. Jesus is talking about his own death. This is the hour. The hour had come. The time had come. You know, the time, first Jesus performed his first miracle in the wedding at Cana. You remember. Uh, his mother Mary told him that they'd run out of wine. And Jesus, you remember his response? He said, woman, my time has not yet come. The Jews, when they tried to seize Jesus and kill him, the Bible says they weren't able to do it. Why? Because it says his time had not yet come. But now, but now, Jesus says, the hour has come. The time has come. Verse 24. Verse 24, he says it this way. He says, 
speaking about his own death, very truly I tell you, unless a kernel of wheat falls to the ground and dies, it remains only a single seed. But if it dies, it produces many seeds. Speaking here of his death and his resurrection and what that was going to accomplish for man. Now, here's the thing. Jesus is talking about his death, but this applies to all believers. Dying to self. The, wheat, the kernel of wheat must die. It must, it must be going to the ground and die if it's going to grow to bring, to bring a, 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 a wheat-bearing blade. Now, a wheat-bearing blade has a lot of uh, seeds and kernels of wheat. And for that wheat-bearing blade to produce, it has to die. This is a principle of life through death. It's a principle of the plant world. Unless, you know, the seed has to perish for the plant to produce. The seed has to perish for the plant to produce. You and I are those seeds. We've got to die to self. If that seed doesn't die, if it doesn't decompose, if it says, no, I'm not going down, <laughs> what happens? It just stays by itself. It's a single seed and nothing happens. It's all by itself. But if it makes that sacrifice, if it dies, then what? Then, then the fruit is produced. The plant grows. Jesus, and new life is given. There's a plentiful harvest because new life comes from the new, from the new blade and the new wheat and the new life comes. Jesus is talking about his death, his resurrection, and his glorification. You see, when Jesus died, and when he was buried and rose again, he proved to be God's son. And he proved to have eternal life. Now, to all who receive him, he gives that new life. 1 John 5, 11 to 13. God has eternal life. This life is in his son. He who has the son has this life. Who does not have the son of God does not have the life. These things have I written that you may know that you have eternal life. You who put your faith in the name of the Son of God. That's 1 John 5, 11 to 13. Eternal life is in the Son. But it's a sacrifice of his life to do it. Jesus had to die. He had to die on the cross. And now for all who will believe in him and all who will receive him, may receive this new life. If we want to follow Jesus, we've got to be willing to make the sacrifice and die to self. Die to this, the me, me first mentality. Die to the idea that the whole world revolves around you. Die to the, the pursuit of pleasure and power and position as your a primary purpose in life. Put that to death. Die to yourself. Jesus says it this way, if anyone comes after me, he must deny himself, take up the cross, and follow me. Crucify. Crucify your old self. Crucify the type of thinking that you have to preserve your life at all costs. Crucify the type of thinking you have to preserve your possessions at all costs. Don't live, don't love your life in this world more than you love the Lord. Amen? Look at verse 25. Verse 25 says it this way, anyone who loves their life 
will lose it. While anyone who hates their life in this world will keep it. To eternal life. What's he mean, hate? What is he using the word hate? Now, hate is a strong word. It's not a passive word. It's a passionate word. He's, talking, he's using a comparison of the, loving the things of God compared to loving the things of the earth. And when you love the, the things of God, it should be so much greater than, you, than the things of the earth that it, it, it's as hated as hate. Jesus is using exaggeration here, hyperbole. That's exaggeration, over-exaggerating to make a point. Take your commitment to Christ seriously and die to your old self. Be willing to die for the Lord. Destroy destroy the desire to store your treasures here on earth. Whether, whether, wherever your treasures are, what? There will your heart be also. So where should our heart be here on earth? No. Our hearts should be with the Lord. Our hearts should be with the Lord. So dying to ourselves, dying to ourselves, we are to glorify God by dying for ourselves and then not only dying to ourselves, but verse 26, living for Christ. By living for Christ. Let's take a look. Verse 26. Whoever serves me must follow me. And wherever I am, my servant will be also. My Father will honor the one who serves me. Living to serve Christ. William Borden wrote, and yes to Jesus every time. Living to serve Jesus Christ. The Christian, for the Christian, God, Christ wants us to follow him. To live for him. You know, when you, you, you say, you know, am I glorifying Christ in my life? Am I imitating Christ in my life? Am I pleasing Christ in my life? You see, if you're going to live for Christ, you, you, the Bible tells us to be an imitator of Christ. Ephesians 5, 1 and 2. If be imitators of God as beloved children and walk in love as Christ loved us and gave himself up. A fragrant offering and sacrifice to God. You see, was an was a fragrant uh, offering to God. It was a fragrant sacrifice to God. And if you're living for Christ, is living in you, your life should do the same. It should be an offering to God, a sacrifice to God, living, living for Jesus Christ, living for the Lord. Jesus Christ, as you live for Christ, the question becomes, am I imitating him? Is Christ being seen in me? My wife and I got a chance to go to a uh, seminar, a uh, free seminar, and uh, with a free dinner. <laughs> we all, we, we, we got, I got this advertisement in the mail. Yes, uh, this is the year, right? You know, uh, Lord willing, 65 this year. So uh, we got this advertisement. Well, it was a Free seminar, for, and it was a free dinner, and it was at one of our favorite restaurants. <laughs> now, the presenter at this seminar <coughs> had, a, had a PowerPoint, just like we've got here. And he had uh, his information. Once in a while, he would stop, and he'd give us a little quiz. He put a picture on the PowerPoint, uh, and it really didn't have anything to do with the information he was giving us. It was a picture of things you should know years old. <laughs> or... Uh, he's just, it's like he wanted to remind us, is that who we are, you know, that we're 65-year-olds or soon to be. 
If you're following Christ, if you're living for Christ, it's a good idea every once to stop and take the quiz. Huh? Take the quiz of who you are and who are you supposed to be. Are you imitating Christ? Are you buying Christ in your life? Are you giving your all to Jesus? Colossians chapter 3, verse 23 and 24 says it this way. Whatever you do, work all your heart as serving the Lord and not man, because it's the Lord Jesus Christ that you serve. You see, do what you do as an act of worship to Jesus. Do what you do as an, as an offering to him. And do it with heart. Follow hard after Christ. Follow hard after Christ. Follow hard after Jesus. Jesus, you're following hard after the Lord who gave his all for you. Look at verse 26. Jesus shrank back. Jesus did not shrink back. He said, whoever serves me. He says this, whoever serves whoever I am, my servant will be. My father will honor the one who serves me. Now, if you're following hard after Jesus. If you're, if you're giving him all of your heart, there's a promise to you here. It's in the verse 26. It says, it says this, the Father will honor the one who serves me. God will honor you. He will give you honor. He will honor the one who serves me. Now, Jesus did not shrink back in verse 27 and 28. The one that we serve gave his all for us. Look at this. My soul is troubled, but what shall I say? Father, save me from this hour? No. It's for this reason that I came. Father, glorify, glorify your name. Jesus was open about it. He spoke about it publicly, the strain that he was under as he faced the cross. It wasn't just the emotional and the physical pain that awaited him. It was the, the weight of the sins of the world that would be upon him. He says, I'm troubled. That word troubled means to be stirred, it means to be agitated. It's the same word that's used in the pool, by the pool of Bethesda. You remember the pool of Bethesda and the water was troubled? And they wouldn't go in when the water was troubled. Jesus, the, the water in his soul was troubled. He was horrified at the thought. He was shaken at the thought of the weight of the world. The sins of the world. You know, Jesus died for the, with your sins and for mine. He died for all of our sins. And he was troubled. But what did he say? Should I say, no, Father, I can't do it? He says, no. He says, Father, may your name be glorified. And he went through. He went through with it. He didn't shrink back. William, William Borden, when he wrote on his Bible, uh, no retreat. He wrote on that, the second, no reserves. He wrote, no retreat. Graduated from college, no retreat. There was no retreat for Jesus Christ. Jesus gave his all. And he gave it for you and he gave it for me. Live for Christ. So follow hard after Christ. Into self, living for Christ. Second reason we're to follow hard is this. To bring light into darkness. To bring light into as Jesus proved, he prayed to the Father. He prayed to the Father, and the Father spoke to him. This was the third time God audibly, audibly spoke to Jesus, God Father. 
He, he, he said, it has been glorified, and my name will be glorified. Three years prior to this, Jesus began his public ministry and his baptism. And that was the first time God the Father spoke, commending his son, Jesus Christ. Second, Jesus, midpoint in his ministry, went up to the Mount of Transfiguration, and he was transfigured, and he, you could see the heavenly glory in him. Spoke a second time. Third time, right now. The conclusion of his ministry on earth, God the Father speaks. Now, the people that heard it didn't hear it very clearly. Let's take a look, verse 30, 29, rather. I interesting, interesting, it says this. God tells us the crowd was there and they heard it, but they thought it was thunder. Others saw it, others said, well, it's an angel speaking to him. How important it is. How important it is to hear the Word of God clearly, to hear Him speak to you clearly, to hear Him convict you clearly, to hear Him direct you clearly, to bring the light, to bring the light, to drive out the darkness from you. You know, God's Word, God's Word spoken uh, to us, given to us, the Bible tells us it brings us light. Psalms 119, 119, verse 30. The unfolding of your word gives light. The unfolding of your word gives light. God's word brings light. It brings light to those that can receive it. It brings light to those who have the spirit of God because they believe in the son of God. Now, the word of God testifies about the Lord Jesus Christ. As, as God is doing here now. Jesus said this, this happened. What is it, verse 30? He said this voice happened to benefit you, not for me. It was to encourage the disciples. And it was to inform the crowd who Jesus is. God's word was spoken just like light breaking into the darkness. And it was a testimony. A testimony to the light. Because Jesus says, I am the light. It was God's giving his light to the light. And Satan, Satan tries to stop the testimony of Jesus Christ. Satan, the Bible says it this way, 2 Corinthians 4, 4, he blinds the minds of unbelievers. He How does he do that? He does that with darkness. The darkness of deceit, the darkness of deception, the darkness of destruction. Satan. Satan tries to block the testimony. And he does it with his darkness. But Jesus said, by his death and by his resurrection, Satan will be judged. Verse 30, verse 31, Satan will be judged. The, the, the world will be judged. Verse 31, it says it this way. It says, it says, now is the time for judgment. On this world, now the prince of this world will be driven out. Satan will be judged. Him, he who would hold you hostage from knowing the truth of God, will be exposed by the light of God to being the liar that he is. He who would enslave you to sin that would bring you eternal death would, would be would be defeated by the power of the Son of God who brings you eternal life. He 
He who would keep you in the dark and defeated from the life of God will be defeated by the cross of Jesus Christ. The light of Christ. Drive out the darkness. Drive out the darkness. Now, Jesus says that the prince of the world will be driven out. The prince of the world is Satan. Another scripture says Satan is the god of this world. Jesus' resurrection, death and resurrection, spell defeat to the prince of this world. These words Jesus promised, this judgment Jesus promised on the world is this. It's a reminder that we are in a spiritual battle. It is a battle for the souls of men. We are in a spiritual fight. And the judgment has to do with the decisions people make, whether or not, the judgment of the world, whether or not to accept Jesus Christ or to reject Jesus Christ. Uh, one's decision, one's decision depends, uh, their eternal destiny it depends on the decision they make. Whether to believe in or deny the Son of God. Now Satan and his dominion of darkness seeks to deceive and to destroy. 1 John 4, 4 says, but he who is in you is greater than he who is in the world. See, there's a battle going on. There's a battle going on. We've got to drive out the darkness by following hard after Christ. When you submit, the Bible says when you submit to God in obedience, the forces of darkness must flee Satan must flee, submit to God, resist the devil, and he will flee from you. James chapter 4, verse 7. See, there's a battle going on. Battle of the light of Christ and the darkness of the devil. Now, Jesus' disciples understood his power. They understood the, the power over darkness. When he sent them out, Luke chapter 10, he sent out 72 72 believers, and he told them this. He said, go, go to the town, go to the people, heal the sick, and proclaim the kingdom of God is near. And they did. And they came back. And you know what they said? They were so excited. They were rejoicing. They said, Luke 10, 17, Lord, even the demons, even the demons submit to us in your name. Jesus replied. Don't rejoice that the spirits are subject or submit to you. Rejoice that your name is written in heaven. You see, when you submit to Jesus Christ, the demons must submit to you. Amen? There's a spiritual battle going on. The light of Christ and the darkness of Satan. So drive out the darkness Bring, in the, bring, bring, bring light into the darkness by driving out the darkness. And secondly, by walking in the light. Walk in the light. Verse 32 and 33, it says this. It says, if God is glorified, yeah, wrong chapter. <laughs> Verse 32 and 33 says this. And when I am lifted up from the earth, I will draw all people to myself. He said this to show the kind of death he was going to die. Jesus talking about when he is lifted up. Now, two things. He's talking about his death on the cross, lifted up, but also, and more importantly, he's talking about being that lifted up to the right hand of God the Father. 
You see, Jesus said, I'll draw all men into myself in his place of exaltation. As our heavenly Lord, Jesus draws all men into himself. Now, this was good for the Jews, the, the Greeks that came to, 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 to seek Jesus to hear because they, they knew Jesus was a Jew. They weren't Jews. They were Greeks. They were Gentiles. But they found out Jesus wasn't just the Lord of the Jews. He was the Lord of all. What does it say? Romans 10, verse 13. All who call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. His cross. The purpose of his cross is to draw all men together under him, all who would believe as one, as one in Christ. Verse 35. As we walk in the light, as we walk with him. Verse 35 says this. Walk while you have the light, lest the darkness before the darkness or lest the darkness overtake you. In other words, keep walking. Keep walking in the light. Don't let the darkness come in. Don't let, don't, don't let the, 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 don't be overtaken. Jesus said, don't let the darkness overtake you. Don't be overtaken by false teaching. Don't be overtaken by the darkness of sin. Walk where you have the light. Let the darkness overtake you. Stay on course. Stay on course. Stay, on, stay in his light. How do we do that? How do we stay on course? Well, two, three things, really. First of all, we need his word. We need, we need his word, and we need the fellowship of Jesus Christ. And thirdly, we need the fellowship of the body. Look at what Jesus said in verse 36. He says how he describes believers. Believe in the light while you have the light, so you may become what? Children of light. That's what we are. If you're a believer, you're a child of the light. And as a child of light, to stay on course, we need each other. We need each other. We need to encourage one another. We need to strengthen one another. Listen to this. We need to be light for one another. What does it say? 1 John chapter 1, verse 7. But if we walk in the light, as he is the light, we have fellowship with one another, and the blood of Jesus, his son, purifies us from all sin. You see, if we're walking in the light, we're letting the light of Jesus shine upon our sin. And then when, when we know our sin, we confess our sin to rec receive forgiveness of our sin through his blood. Bring light in the darkness by walking in the light. Follow hard after Christ. First, bring, uh, to bring glory to God. Die to, yourself, die to self-centeredness. Die to storing treasures on the earth and live to imitate Jesus. Then, take the quiz, right? Take the quiz. Make sure you take the quiz. Are you glorifying Christ in your life? Are you imitating the Lord Jesus Christ? Are you serving him with all of your heart? Second is this. Follow hard after Christ, not only to bring glory to God, but follow hard after Christ to bring light into darkness. Drive out the darkness by letting, the letting in the light of his word. Remember, we're in a battle. The forces of darkness must flee when you submit to Jesus Christ. 
walk with him in the fellowship of his light and in the fellowship of the children of light. William Borden at Yale. When he was at Yale, he came up with a strategy. And his strategy was this. Him and other fellow Christians came with a strategy to, to make sure every student on campus would hear the gospel. And the gospel of Jesus Christ. And he pursued that strategy with a passion. That's the way he lived. And his life, his Bible is a testimony to the mission. He was a man on a mission. The three words. What are the words again? No reserves. No retreats. No regrets. He followed hard after Christ, and I challenge you as I challenge myself to do the same. Amen? Amen. Let's, let's pray. Father God, we thank you for your word that gives us light. We thank you, Lord, for the example of Jesus who was willing to die as we must be willing as well. Help us, Lord, to to glorify you in our life, to imitate Christ and to, to bring in your light. Lord, to live in the light, to walk in the light, and to be that light for the world and for one another. Thank you, Father. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. And amen. Amen, everyone. So we're going to.